Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, welcome back, Craig. Hey, it's good to be back. How was your trip to Vegas? <laughs> My trip to Vegas was amazing. I love Vegas. <laughs> I won't ask you what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, fairly innocent. Before COVID, Alan and I would go to Vegas every few years, and uh, obviously then COVID hit, and we haven't traveled at all since then. So this was our first trip back, and... What when we were getting ready to go, we were talking about how you know every time we go on a vacation, we go to Vegas. We we really should plan to do something different next time, and that's still <laughs> the plan. That's still the plan. But when we got there, we're like, F- we love Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Tell me what it is about Vegas that just blows you away. <laughs> it's just, oh man! All right, I'll start with the good stuff. Uh, the food is amazing. Like, yeah, anywhere you go, whatever kind of food you want, it's amazing. Every single meal we had was just amazing, and we had plenty. Then uh, the other big draw for us is the shows. Uh, we don't gamble. The very first time we went, Alan sat at the. Uh, slot machines, you know, for a couple hours every night. It, I, I was never into it, but we go to these shows, and it's just the most amazing production value you can imagine. Um, I've never been to Broadway, but I have been to the West End in London, so I've seen big shows with big production value, and just nothing compares to the technology and uh, the staging and, and all the things that they can do there, and it's ungodly expensive to go see <laughs> the big shows, but we had saved up and budgeted and so we were able to go see three Cirque du Soleil shows and they were each of them amazing in its own right Um, and then like I I don't want people to think I'm like I don't know some big lush or something but just the debauchery of Vegas like you can just go to Vegas (laughs) and be drunk all day and so is everybody else <laughs> it doesn't even matter. It doesn't no matter. <laughs> and plus, you don't know anybody there, and the people who work there are used to people being drunk all the time. Right. The devil's lettuce is legal there. Like, it's just. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Chris. I don't either. But that's what they told me. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh,. Gosh, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just tons and tons of fun. Plus, uh, I also have family there that I don't get to see very often, and they, you know, showed like the most amazing hospitality, and we got to spend some time with them and their kids, and uh, it was just a a great time. We didn't want to come back. Anybody who's thinking about going to Vegas, first of all, I say you definitely should. If you're an adult and you haven't been to Vegas, go. Especially if you uh, enjoy theater, it's like nothing you've ever seen. Mm. But I had forgotten. The last time we went, I was 38, which doesn't sound young, but it my body felt younger <laughs> at 38. Uh, this time around was a little rough because Vegas is a walking city. Like yeah. anywhere that you want to go, even if you plan on taking transportation, you are going to have to walk to get to that transportation, and you are going to be walking a lot. And a lot farther than it looks, right? Oh, my God, because it's the <laughs> desert, so everything's flat. So, like, you're like, oh, I can see the store. It's just down there. And then two hours later, you're still walking. Yes. It's so deceptive. <laughs> <laughs> it's very deceptive, but they also have great public transit. They've got a bus that runs up and down the Strip and down to Fremont, which is, like, old-school Las Vegas. And uh, there's also a tram. We didn't use the tram this time around. And uh, I I probably spent $300 at least on Uber, but again, totally worth it. Had a blast. It was tough to come back. 
This brought to you by the Vegas Tourism Department. <laughs> Have you been? We haven't talked about this. Have you ever been? Yeah, I've been a couple times. Uh, well, back in 2006 or so, and then again a couple years later for a very different kind of trip. The first time I went, I just I did exactly as you guys did. I just booked a bunch of shows. But what I love is the magic. I've been into magic since I was a kid. I performed a lot of magic. It's it's really what got me into performing, actually, and I'm still just a real geek when it comes to that. And Vegas is also pretty much unparalleled around the world for magic shows. Right. And when I went, there were uh, David Copperfield. I'm not sure if he's still there but he had a regular show going on i think he's still there i'm not sure penn and teller mac king penn and teller is still there lance burton is not there anymore he used to have probably the best show in town for sort of classic magic over at caesar's palace but yeah there's still a lot of magicians there and a lot of good magic shows but you know i i was i was a little i won't say disappointed I loved Vegas, too, and I loved all the shows I saw, and I enjoyed it for all the reasons you said. But I think it's changed a lot since the classic Vegas, you know? Oh, a lot. Dude, it's changed a lot since I first went there, like, 10 years ago. It's crazy. Mm. It's it's constantly built, like, new uh, theaters, new casinos. Uh, It's constantly expanding outward. Um, A lot of the places that were bad parts of town when we were there last time are becoming, like, art districts and stuff. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, and there's really, really cool stuff to see. That's the other thing that I love about Vegas. We spent a lot of money on shows, and if that's what you want to do, we don't usually do that many shows. Uh, but we figured this was kind of going to be the last time we were going to be there for a long time. So we wanted to take full advantage, but you can just walk around and there is plenty to see. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Yeah. Like just going through all of the different hotels and casinos, there is so much to see so many great like photo opportunities. Um, it's amazing. I mean, uh, it's unlike anything else I've ever seen. The the thing that I would compare it most to is it's like Disney for grown-ups. Yeah. It's like Pleasure Island from Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> those are why is it that those are also the two things I think of when you're when we're describing this. And and you know, like when I look at these old movies and stuff of Vegas, Vegas was casinos and um, music shows, basically. Crooners and things like that. Elvis was there at one point. You can still see and get those, but it seems like lately they've just blown up as far as shows go. Cirque du Soleil, there are, what, like 15 of them there or something like that. There are a bunch. Big, like you said, extravagant stage productions and things that just go far and far beyond the more intimate, like, casino lounge type shows that it used to be more or less known for. I think probably, I guess, once the mafia left (laughs) and things got extremely corporate, they realized, you know, we can actually provide a wider range of entertainment here. And almost seems like the gambling in the casinos, I won't say took a back seat because there's still a huge part of what's going on there, but in reference to kind of how everything got kicked off, they're really kind of more in the background. You know, there's a lot of stuff to do if you don't want to gamble at all. Oh, yeah, tons of stuff. You know, when my parents went there, you know, when they were of, you know, when I wasn't around. <laughs> right. It was cheaper, you know, I think. Like, yeah. The whole draw was, you know, the, they wanted you to come there to gamble, so they made hotel rooms cheap, they made shows cheap, they made food ch- almost unbelievably cheap and all that. Uh, And now it's not that at all. No, that is not. Sadly, that's not the case anymore. You know, they used to be known for like the all you can eat steak and lobster, $9.99. Or, you know, uh, (laughs) if you go down to Fremont Street, which is the older part of Vegas, which is also the place with the cool like LED 
thing over the street, like the street long LED thing over the yeah, top. The big, it's really cool. Big, basically screen. Yeah. Over yeah. It's awesome. You go down there, you can find some of those old school specials at very specific times of day. So like from like seven to 9 PM, you can get that kind of thing, but it's really specific. Yeah. It has changed a lot. I don't know. I mean, even since the last time I was there, the first time I was there, it seemed a little bit seedy, <laughs> like lots of guys standing on the street, like slapping pamphlets at you trying to yeah. get cards for hookers and <laughs> stuff. Hookers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all gone. Really? It, yeah, the the strip Las Vegas is very clean. Um there's still a homeless population, um, which is sad, of course, but much less visible than it used to be. I'm sure that's some sort of effort by the city. Right. And, and the other thing, another big thing that blew me away is next to nobody smokes cigarettes anymore. Oh. I don't know if I've talked about this on the show, but I, I, Alan and I quit smoking last summer. You did? Yeah, we were worried about uh, going to Vegas because the last time we were there, the casinos were so smoky. Like it was just a thick haze of smoke. Some of the casinos have gone smoke-free and even the ones that are not smoke-free, you'll see a smoker every once in a while, but it's kind of few and far between, which is great. I'm glad that we as a nation are finally (laughs) figuring out that smoking is terrible. It only took me like 20 some years, but... <laughs> did you replace that with vaping? I did. Shh, okay. Don't I'm tell. sorry. Didn't mean, <laughs> <laughs> didn't mean to rain on that parade. I'm sorry. No, I don't feel bad about it at all. I know that we don't know all of the effects of uh, vaping, but we know all the effects of smoking, and they're worse as far as we True. know. So I feel like it's better. Well, and it does make things more pleasant. I, I have a feeling there were a lot of people puffing vapes around you, but uh, for some reason, it just it just isn't the same as smoke. You know, well, when you're in a, a room like that. It's kind of, you know, weed has a very distinctive smell. And it, <laughs> though it's it's legal, uh, recreational marijuana is legal in Nevada, or at least in Vegas, um, but it's only legal in private residences. Like, you, you can't smoke it in public. You, you can't, you're not mm. even supposed to smoke in a hotel. But we smelled weed everywhere we went. we smelled it everywhere we went so people are not worried about it and it doesn't seem like the authorities are worried about it either it sounds like you had a good time a good enough time to inspire you uh to want to extend that into our podcast this week yeah and that's why we're doing it this week was because i had so much fun in vegas i wanted to do a vegas horror movie this might not have been the one that i chose but Watching it was actually really fun because they have a lot of B-roll of Vegas. Uh, <laughs> That's about all they have of Vegas, really. <laughs> right, because they only could film in Vegas for one day of their, what, like 14, 19-day shoot or whatever? Oh, super short. Yeah, like 14 days, right. So all of the B-roll that they got from Vegas was from one day. And it's like Warwick Davis, like running oh we're doing leprechaun three by the way yes this is what our patrons chose we put a couple options to them of vegas uh setting uh horror movies and this is the one they picked so this is the one by god we went with <laughs> <laughs> right so the 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 b-roll footage is just like warwick davis like running around on the street i think there's one scene where like the main couple like crosses the street and i mm-hmm. read that they almost certainly filmed all of that without permits oh they certainly did yeah <laughs> just kamikaze the whole thing which is great 
actually, the director, Brian Trenchard-Smith, said they first asked permission from some of these big casinos, most of which, not not like the New York and the MGM, but like the smaller ones, um, but more, more iconic ones, really, if you think about it historically, on Fremont Street. But uh, none of them would let him film there. He said they tried to film at the Golden Nugget, and they asked for permission. And the Golden Nugget was very uppity about it. And it was They were like, oh, you're going to be making fun of gambling. Like, okay, like what? That's a hard target. They said, you're not going to film inside or outside our casino. So in a big middle finger to the Golden Nugget, yeah. he went outside, set up his camera on the ground. He said he used a 14-millimeter lens, which makes everything kind of in the foreground much bigger. And he got the leprechaun, Warwick Davis, walking in front of it, pausing turning around and going, golden nugget? I'd like me one of those. <laughs> Called them out big time. That's hilarious. Yeah, one of the very one of the very first establishing shots of Vegas is the uh, big Sphinx, uh, which is in front of the Luxor Hotel, which is where we stayed. So oh. right away, it was nostalgic. Uh, I've got pictures. We took uh, a selfie in front of that big Sphinx, but Vegas is very sunny. And so, like, I'm trying to take a selfie. All I'm looking at is the black screen of my phone. I can't see anything. Right. So, all you can see, like, the lower three quarters of the Sphinx and the top halves of our head. <laughs> but I'll, I'll throw it up. I'll throw it up on the website or the Patreon page or something. Nice, nice, nice. Well, I had, I am sure I had seen this movie because this was a huge rental hit. This was in your face, on, at least in my face, on the video store shelves. As soon as I looked at the cover, I instantly recognized it. It is the first of the Leprechaun movies to go straight to video. In fact, I was digging a little bit more into this. We did we did talk a lot about the genesis of the Leprechaun series and whatnot in our episode on the original Leprechaun. But uh, the producer of the series of films... He started out as a guy who owned some video stores. He owned a chain of video stores in 81 and uh, kicked off this company, Trimark, as originally a distribution for movies on video and then decided, you know, we should really get into production and producing movies for video. And then he realized, well, I mean, if we really want higher credibility and some notoriety, we should be looking at at least trying to find some movies that would release well theatrically. And it was Warlock, Starring Julian ah. Sands, which I think we need to do on this. On I this know. Podcast. I can't believe we haven't done it already. It's crazy. That one was one of those uh, kind of in, uh, intended for video, but ended up releasing in theaters. They didn't produce the movie, but they ended up distributing the movie to uh, theaters. And it was kind of their first big theatrical hit that went to video and made a ton of money on video. And so then he said, let's do something that we can just intend to release to theaters first. And that was the first Leprechaun movie. And that movie did so well at the box office that they did a sequel and released it theatrically, too, and it didn't do quite so well. So on for the third one, they decided to go straight to video, and it, it shows. <laughs> it does, but not in a bad way. I mean, I would say it's pretty comparable in quality to the first one. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I think and it's that, bigger like, in scope, you know, like it's in a big city. It's not just all in one little tiny farmhouse location. Well, it's um, it's doing a lot with a very, very small budget, and I really commend it for that. Like, you know, this is the kind of movie that, you know, some, I would I would probably end up making, you know? Here's a few thousand dollars, see what you can do with it, and trying to get really, really creative, running around stealing shots and kind of making sets on the cheap or just shooting on location a lot. And uh, they got this director, Brian Trenchard-Smith, who was always well-known for this. He's a British-Australian guy and uh, very proud of the fact that he can just make these really, really cheap movies, but make them well, you know, make them clear and good. And 
He did a, an Australian movie in 83 called BMX Bandits. Have you ever seen that? No, but I've heard of it. That's the one that gave Nicole Kidman uh, her start. And it's just, he just does very entertaining movies. And he had come off of doing Night of the Demons 2, yeah. which was also a straight-to-video thing. And they tapped him for this. He ended up doing this movie and Leprechaun 4 in space. Right. And I, I don't know if you had a chance to watch it, but I sent you a YouTube link, and I'm going to post it online. I didn't. I didn't have a chance to watch it. My goodness, this is an interview with a director that was posted, I think, right now, 18 hours ago. <laughs> You're kidding. Not kidding you. Just a couple guys uh, from some horror channel or whatever who got a hold of the director because it was around St. Patrick's Day and uh, decided to interview him about it. So he talks a bit about this movie and uh, the Leprechaun in Space as well. And it's worth a watch. Uh, it's a little slow because he kind of goes off on a few tangents here and there and speaking kind of slowly. But uh, yeah, I, I learned a few tidbits about this movie that we'll be sharing as we uh, as we go along. But cool. yeah, he's very proud of this movie. He said it was a blast making it. It seems like everybody had a blast making it. And I think we talked about this when we were doing the first Leprechaun, is that uh, Warwick Davis really embraced and shaped this role. He's great. Whereas, you know, other people <laughs> have denied their involvement to these movies or, you know, kind of tried to push it to the background. This got him work. You know, where he was in a slump, coming off of Willow and Star Wars and stuff. And then mm-hmm. there just weren't a lot of advantages for little people. Right. He crafted this role and made it more comedic than it was originally supposed to be. Right. And so the series just embraced that comedy. It didn't give a crap about continuity. <laughs> and no. just went with it from movie to movie. And literally, the producer and, dire- and directors of these films are almost gleeful in saying, we were just seeing how far could we push this series. And that's why after this, you get Leprechaun in Space, which which was a joke that started from a movie poster at like a company party. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then Leprechaun back to the hood and in yeah, the hood. Yeah. And they didn't care. It's just a gleefully fun movie. And it seems to connect with audiences on that on that level. Because this one was apparently the highest selling video cassette, I think for the rental market, of that year, 1995. I know. Which is crazy. It is crazy. I don't know. At the same time, I rented it <laughs> yeah <laughs> this this may be one of the few uh franchises that i'm not sure if i've seen all of them i'm not positive if i've seen both of the in the hoods um and i and i know that i haven't seen any of them that warwick davis wasn't a part of because there's at least one or two yeah. um that he uh was not a part of which is unfortunate because he is the movie he is it would be like freddie without Robert Englund, really. Yeah, which honestly. happened and was no good. <laughs> yeah. Real quick side note, we'll probably be doing Warlock really soon, because do you know that Julian Sands is missing and presumed dead? Oh, yeah, I heard about that from hiking, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my so <laughs> unless there's some some big uh, discovery, we will probably be doing Warlock really soon. But <laughs> leaving that sad note behind... This movie really leans into the comedy. Uh, I think that the Leprechaun series was always the the it was intended to be a trilogy, and there was supposed to be Leprechaun, and then there was supposed to be Bride of Leprechaun, and then Trial of Leprechaun. This was supposed to be Trial of Leprechaun, but Bride of Leprechaun never really happened, or at least not entirely came to its fruition. If I remember part two, he is trying to steal a girl to like make his bride or something, but they right. don't make as big a deal out of it. Um, and this one just went in a completely different way. In fact, they considered not even doing this one, and then they went ahead and did it, but did it straight to video. And then the reason that they kept making him was because it did so well. Mm-hmm. 
And it really did. And and I don't know. It is you have to go into this movie in the right frame of mind because yeah. it's stupid. It's stupid and it's cheap. It is cheesy <laughs> and corny and dumb. The acting is bad, except for Warwick Davis. I mean, he's he's corny and over the top, but that's that's what you're here for. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you've made it all the way to part three, that's really what you're here for. But I don't know. <laughs> It is, I, I do think, you know, I watched this in the middle of the day on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you really gave it its proper dude. I you? don't think that <laughs> I set myself up for it, but even in that environment, I could see why people find it charming. It does have a charm to it. One of the things that irked me is that the leprechaun is relegated to this stupid-ass pawn shop for the first half an hour. I know, and it could be a pawn shop anywhere, and it is, you know, it's a... Actually, all of the movie, except for those that B-roll outside in Vegas, was shot in the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles. Right. And... It's funny because I didn't read any of the trivia or anything about this movie before I watch it, but I usually sit through the whole credits, and I find little nuggets of information, and I saw a big thank you to Ambassador Hotel, and I'm like, okay, that's a hotel where they shot it. I'm really curious about if it's still there, how much they changed it, because I really had my suspicions that this wasn't actually a casino that they shot it in because it right. just, you know, the way the set was decorated. And so I looked it up and and I couldn't really find an ambassador hotel in Vegas, but there were some pictures coming up in the image search and I saw one of a lobby and I was like, oh, that's it, because I could see the ceiling and the fountain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's the ambassador hotel in LA. And I went down a rabbit hole about the ambassador hotel in LA because it, it was demolished in like uh, 2010 or 2009, something like that. It was closed before this movie shot. 1989 is when it closed. But this was the big hotel in Hollywood where most of the stars went. They had these extravagant ballrooms. They had insane people and parties. They had this area called the Coconut Lounge or whatever. There's this huge open-air outdoor party place, you know, done up with a tropical theme. And you can find so many photos of stars from, like, the 20s and 30s all the way up through the 50s and 60s playing around there. I mean, just this incredibly cool hotel that I think about and I go, God, I wish I could go back in time uh, and check this place out because... In this movie, uh, it, it looks like shit. <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah. And the the reason it does is they're really just filming some interiors and one little exterior at the entrance because it was closed and it was slated to be demolished. And so it was one of three movies that were actually shooting in this hotel at this time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, one of them was some Tia Carrera movie that was kind of taking place in Prohibition era. And another one, um, some other famous uh, star. Again, another sort of gambling movie. And I think they all took little pieces of, uh, of the hotel and dressed them up. And so these guys were lucky. They got the lobby. And they dressed up the lobby, obviously, to be this casino floor. And then that big coconut room or whatever that, that was uh, supposedly was outdoor, at some point it became a theater and it got closed in and everything. And that's where they filmed the magic show bits. And then apparently they filmed the morgue scenes in the kitchen there. And another bit of sad and interesting trivia right. is this hotel is where uh, Bobby Kennedy was shot. Right. In 1968. And that probably the beginning of the end of, of the golden days of that hotel and that was a tragedy. But one of the things that this guy talks about in this interview, the director was, he says, 
Bobby Kennedy, once he was shot, was he, he was taken into that kitchen and laid on the floor. Like, and he said, "We were shooting in there, and there is an X on the tiles where his head lay." Oh wow! So he was like, you know, I'm in there, and I'm also like. He's like, I remember when Bobby Kennedy was shot. You know, it was a kind of an earth-shattering event and it could have changed the course of U.S. politics. You know, I mean, we all were upset about it. And he says, I'm shooting this leprechaun horror movie in this spot. Am I am I desecrating it? You know, like, know. <laughs> you know it's kind of a weird thing. But uh, anyway, they took full advantage of this hotel to shoot. And that's where most of the action takes place, sadly, is in this hotel in L.A. But, you know, they do the best of what they can and they... It gives, it I looks thought, fine. it looks like a seedy casino off the strip, but, you know? Right, yeah, but those exist, yeah, <laughs> you exactly. know? Like, y- you can still go to those smaller casinos. Yeah, you're going to have to go off the strip, which you probably should, you know, the, the strip is so expensive and... Oh, I like the off-strip casinos. Well, yeah. and you will see these smaller, like you said, like lounge shows and smaller magic acts. They're still there. You just have to look a little bit harder and they are seedier um it's funny you know uh the strip is is just tourists from every walk of life um and and of every race color and creed um you just see everybody down there and then we went down to uh fremont and (laughs) it was like we were among our people it was like (laughs) it was like they had transferred the midwest to Nevada. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It was hilarious. It was a completely different crowd. Are you saying it was like the Walmart of Vegas or something? (laughs) Uh, Kind of, I guess. You know, I mean, like, I'm from the Midwest, so I don't want to criticize people. But it was a a very different feel. A very different feel. And I'm sure that's because it's cheaper. You know, it's cheaper to stay down there. It's cheaper to gamble and eat down there. And and it is cool. I like it. yeah, you go down there. It's really cool. They embrace the old school Vegas. So you'll see the women walking around in the old school like showgirl outfits with the mm-hmm. huge feathered headdresses and stuff. And of course, they're flirting with you because they want you to take a $10 picture with them and stuff. Cool, cool nonetheless. And it's a little seedier down there. Like the gift shops are seedier and they've got like raunchy gifts and stuff you can get. The, the This uh, casino, the what was it? The Lucky Shamrock, is that what yeah. it's called? <laughs> the Lucky Shamrock looks much like that. But I totally buy that it exists and I buy that it looks like that. Yeah. On the inside. There may have been, a, in real life, maybe a little bit more neon, but uh, yeah, I, I totally buy it. The movie is funny, though, because there's no, there's nothing to it. I mean, there's no. no plot. There's no plot to this movie. It starts out with this guy who we have no idea. I don't, like you said, I don't think they were ever concerned with continuity. And I don't think that there are any rules when it comes to the leprechaun. From no. movie to movie, he can do completely different things. There is completely different lore. Right, His his weaknesses are different. Totally, one. totally. In this one, some guy with one eye and one arm and one leg <laughs> comes into. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> like that's, I, most, that's the most understated joke in the whole movie. It's well, so funny, I know. But where is that movie? Like I, I need to. <laughs> I need to hear this guy's story. Right. And and he's got this big, like I don't know. I guess life size statue of the leprechaun, and it's wearing this medallion. And he gives. He puts it up on the counter, and the ridiculously stereotypical Indian pawn shop owner is like, "Oh, what do you have for me here?" And he's like, he's that's like. Right. <laughs> 
he's like, uh, it's a it's a statue. It's a good luck charm. And it's wearing this medallion. And the guy goes, he's like, don't touch the medallion, whatever you do. And the Indian guy's like, okay, well, I will give you 10 Oh no, $20. And he gives him $20. And the guy leaves. And so he immediately grabs the medallion and takes it off. And he's like, this is a worthless piece of crap. But of course, that brings the leprechaun to life. And then they parlay for a half an hour. They parlay forever. That that was, I was also sad. I'm like, please tell me the leprechaun's going to leave this freaking pawn shop. And it's enormous cavernous warehouse-like back room. Yeah. This is where the movie starts to immediately feel cheap. But, you know, I, it's like, hey, we're in Vegas. Let's do some Vegas stuff. But this actor, I do want to call out Marcelo Tubert, who plays this Indian pawn shop owner. This guy is busy. Really? Yes, he is. He has an extensive resume, highly working, and a lot of what he's been doing, probably the majority of it, is voice work. Yeah, I can this see that. This guy has been in video games and movies and cartoons uh, all the way back to you know the mid-90s, and he's still going. It's really kind of impressive. T- TV shows and you know just bit parts here and there, but my goodness, he's working. Not what I expected. And you see, it's it's just one of those things. Like, you wouldn't see this in movies today. The the zeitgeist of popular culture has changed so much. And I, and I don't want to get into a big debate about political correctness or stuff, but you just don't see this no. kind of stereotypical <laughs> portrayal anymore, which on the one hand I think is good, but on the other hand, I watch old movies that I enjoy so much and think this would never be made. There's no way that this would ever be made. Mm -hmm. Um, And on the one hand, it makes me kind of sad because these jokes, these cheap jokes, like the stereotypical Indian guy, they're they're cheap jokes and they're only kind of funny. But I feel feel like at the time, and maybe I'm wrong because I'm a white dude, so maybe I just don't get it, but I feel like everybody was in on the joke. Nobody really thought that this is what, Indian people were like, this is a stereotype. And and it was an exaggerated stereotype for humor. But you can't do that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) We we can only laugh at them in these older movies. (laughs) I know. You know, and like I I say I'm a white dude, but I'm also a gay dude. And, you know, back in uh, the 80s and stuff, there were always these cheap digs at gay dudes. Yeah. Uh, And and I can look back at that and and think it's funny and and not be offended because I know it's a joke. Like, (laughs) it's, it's, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that there are examples of times where it's mean-spirited but for the most part it's a gag like whatever that's enough (laughs) you get what i'm saying i i know i feel like i I, i'll get in trouble if i keep talking so (laughs) moving on right (laughs) well he uh while he's parlaying in there we get to meet this other couple it's this guy who's super young and his name is uh scott and tammy who's uh scott and tammy (laughs) VW Bug is, uh, I know, right? <laughs> Stuck by the side of the road. So she's hitchhiking a ride. And, he's driving <laughs> and, he, through. and she's like, she's like, can you look at my engine? And he's like, yeah. And he opens up the truck and he's like, have you ever blown a rod before? I beg your pardon? The engine, I meant. So you got your pistons and your rods. And <laughs> she's like, she's like, what? He's like, you know, like rods and pistons. <laughs> this is the writing, folks. Is, it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, when the leprechaun first attacks the Indian guy, oh god, he says, he says, say. mm, I like Indian food. So spicy. <laughs> he bites his ear off. Oh my god. 
Oh, the writing is terrible and hilarious. Well, we've also <laughs> we've also by this point well established the quality of acting because Scott and Tammy are awful, laughably bad, and it's it's so bad it's actually charming. Like it is Scott. It just seems like. This is this guy's first acting job ever. This this guy is uh, John Gattins, and uh, he had something to say about his acting career. He says, I'd love to say I didn't do well because I didn't get my chance, but the reality is that I couldn't really act. I was in a few horror movies, but hey, Leprechaun 3 is scary, mostly because of my acting. Uh, I really had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and it shows he really had it no does idea. Show. But it's kind of like a goofy charm of this guy who's a pa- who we learn is actually supposed to be a teenager. Right. And so, you know, uh, the young, goofy, kind of naive guy in exactly. Vegas, it still works on a silly level. And by the way, speaking of this actor, John Cadden, he was nominated for an Academy Award. Get out for what? For writing the movie Flight, which starred Denzel Washington. Oh in yeah, that was a great movie. Yeah, he didn't win, but he was nominated, so he's got a nice little career as a writer. He's won a number of other awards and written a nice handful of movies. Good for him. Yeah, like a Need for Speed. He did the story for Kong Skull Island. Wrote Coach Carter and nice. That's impressive. Tammy, on the other hand, Lee Armstrong never worked again. (laughs) At least not as an actress. I didn't look her up, so I don't know if she still works in the industry or not, but she never acted again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be mean, but maybe she saw this movie and was like, no, this is not for me. I don't know. Whatever. She's sweet, too. She's very pretty. um, And she's fine. She plays uh, a magician's assistant. Which I was like, yes, we're going to see some magic in this movie. They got the magic part of Vegas in there. That guy, Fazio, the magician, (laughs) like, you could have played that role. (laughs) Like, let's just call him Todd from for the rest of the time. (laughs) I'd like to think I would have at least done the magic better. (laughs) He's cheesy and stuff. But again, this actor is working very hard and he's he's also in video games and cartoons a lot of japanese anime i mean we're talking like the final fantasy series a number of the final fantasy series including that final fantasy movie they did remember way back when yeah vaguely this guy's still going yeah well but the thing is like i'm making fun of these folks but they it's they know what movie they're in yeah you know it's it's a goofy movie yeah, they're hamming it up on purpose. Like, his uh, partner in crime is Loretta, played by Caroline Williams. And I like Caroline Williams. I don't think, you know, she is, uh, you know, going to join the Royal Shakespeare Company anytime soon. But I like her. I loved her in Chainsaw 2. She was Stretch in Chainsaw 2. And we've seen her in several other things, too. I like her fine. And she's funny in this gags. movie. And she's got These a funny all just, gag scene. It's like a farce, really. It is a farce, yeah. but that's the thing. You have to go in in the right mindset. It's not serious. The director straight up said it is a comedy first and a horror movie second, and it mm. definitely 100% is, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't even call it scary. No, no. I mean, there are some gross parts, um, but nothing scary. Far more funny. I love when they get to 
the casino. Tammy has to reluctantly sneak Scott into the casino because he's never seen one before and she makes him promise he won't gamble. So he immediately goes and gambles. (laughs) (laughs) All of his tuition money. (laughs) Yeah, he's got a check for $23,000 from his parents, which I think he blows entirely like on the first roll at the craps table or the first (laughs) spin at the roulette wheel. Like he puts it all down. Like, kid. (laughs) (laughs) and he's like just stares out oh my god i can't what have i done what have i done and the the woman's like well you know i think your luck's about to turn around and he's like but i've got no more money she's like well what about that watch you're wearing yeah (laughs) this girl across the street to the pawn shop she is ruthless i i thought you know i actually kind of thought maybe she was gonna help him out a little bit just to keep him going oh no way she's totally scamming the the Mm -hmm. whole the casino's rigged she's got a button under the roulette wheel that stops it whenever she wants to Mm -hmm. so she's just trying she's just trying to milk him for everything but she tells him to go sell his watch at the pawn shop so he goes across the street there finally finds the pawn shop guy dead the whole plot is predicated on the fact that the leprechaun got his gold back from the pawn shop guy but one coin fell out and that coin keeps passing along to different people. Yeah. And in this movie, I don't remember if it's the case in the other movies, but in this movie, every each coin gives you a wish. And so the movie becomes much like Wishmaster kind of. Yeah. Um, except for in this case, the people always initially get what they want, but then when the leprechaun catches up to him, he turns it around on them. Yeah. Which is which is fun. <laughs> and we we get all the leprechaun lore with this very charmingly mid 90s um i don't know if it was like some cd rom encyclopedia or something that this guy it was, was like up. fairies and folklore it said on the front or something like that and i couldn't tell it wasn't even a cd rom it was like one of those big ass thick floppy disks or something but it has voice which is totally unbelievable at the time at the time we we gave computers a lot more credit than than they deserved but then it has this horrible animation that kind of goes along with it. It's it's hard to really believe that this product would exist. But the funny thing is, is that the shopkeeper starts playing it as soon as he, you know, figures out that this leprechaun's after him. And somehow this keeps running on the computer. And there are enough leprechaun facts for this computer to just continue to run and spit these facts out for the next for hour. For the and rest half. of the night, yeah. So we find, you know, that leprechauns, you know, need their gold. And they're very jealous of their gold and that they need to get their gold back. And then later on, we find out that leprechauns don't get along very well together. So if there's another leprechaun, they're going to, like, hate each other or something. And then later on, we find out that if you destroy the leprechaun's gold, you destroy the leprechaun. Right. And, and, Good job. Good job laying out the lore there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's so funny. Just the leprechaun in Vegas is hilarious because once, so Scott, like he, he gets the coin and then the leprechaun, I think is trying to kill him or something. Maybe not even yet. He just, he's like, Oh man, I wish I was back at the casino on a winning streak. So he is, he's Mm. back at the casino and he starts winning. um, And he wins a whole bunch of money and the casino owner, I guess. Yeah. 
Midge is plotting against him, but starts giving him the uh, like the high roller treatment, which is a real deal. Yeah. Um, if you if you spend a bunch of money in the casino, they will come and give you shit. <laughs> That's right. They want you to stay. <laughs> they do want you to stay. Um, but then, so the leprechaun has to come find him. So he comes out. He comes out onto the strip. He does the whole golden nugget thing, and then he's just walking around. He's like, Ah, oh, Vegas, my kind of town. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? I'm a leprechaun, me lad, and you're a greedy thief. For trying to steal me gold, I'll be giving you some grief. I think I'll whack you in the head a dozen times until you're dead. If you're gonna linger, I'll give you the finger. I told you a terrible lie, and now you're going to die. What was I thinking? With all this killing, I've lost me shilling. A lucky side. The gold inside will soon be mine. <laughs> He should have been willing to give me me shilling, but I've done well by sending them to hell. I smell me shilling. Tell me where it is, or there'll be another killing. Belongs to me, this gold I smell. Weather's got it going to hell. It's hilarious. Everything that the leprechaun says, Warwick Davis says, is hilarious. And he speaks almost exclusively in rhyming couplets or in limericks. Thank God. Hilarious. This is my kind of place. Crooked and sleazy. Stealing gold from humans is awfully easy. Look out, Vegas. I'm taking over. (laughs) (laughs) That one was my favorite. (laughs) It's hilarious in a corny way, right? I mean, it's, it's his delivery that sells it. And I think, like we had said earlier, this is really what kind of sells the whole series, is he is just a delightful little leprechaun. Yeah. And... Throughout the film, and I think throughout most of the other movies, at least the ones I've seen, and I've seen Leprechaun in Space, he's just in control. He wanders around, and he just does his thing, and he's magical, and he can make anything happen, and he just sort of gleefully is doing that. And so he does feel like a pretty much unstoppable foe. Yeah. I just think that's all kind of part of the charm is you're kind of on his side in a way. You know, you you just... Oh, yeah. You just want to see him <laughs> going around on his high-heeled shoes. and Oh, yeah, and he meets an Elvis impersonator, and the Elvis impersonator is like, nice shoes. Do they come in blue suede? <laughs> and then and then the leprechaun does an Elvis impersonation. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like it's so good. <laughs> I didn't see I didn't see any Elvis impersonators this time that we were down there. But the last time we were down there, we were on a bus coming back or either coming back or going to Fremont Street and there was a little person Elvis impersonator and it was like the highlight of our trip. <laughs> like we were, <laughs> like we were so excited. Well, you know In thinking about it, I'm thinking back to our review of the original Leprechaun. And I think for us, these gags in that movie got old and kind of stupid. Right. And I think the reason for that is that by now you're embracing it. You know, by this third movie, you're this movie just kind of, like you said, it's a comedy first and a horror movie second. The original was more or less trying to be a horror movie first. And so all of the gags and things, they kind of got old, and I don't know, it just didn't have the same feel, probably because it was bigger budget and better acted. You know, it had its corniness, but most of that corniness was centered around the leprechaun himself. Right. The movie was trying to be a little more serious as a horror film. Right. This one makes no such pretense, and so you kind of check your mind at the door and just roll with it a little easier than you do with the original movie, I think. Right, and ultimately, I don't think that this is a better movie, but it's more fun. Yeah, that's right. And I think that uh, that's probably why. I I think that 
from the whole series, this is one of the most popular ones. I think that this is kind of people's favorite. Well, it's Warwick Davis's favorite, too, for that reason. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Yeah, he said that he loved it. He loved leaning into the comedy. He thought that's exactly what they should do. Like you said, that was his idea. It was supposed to be a straight-up horror movie. In the first one, he wanted to lean into the comedy, so they let him, and they shaped it around that. Here, the director was on board all the way, and he loved working this with this director. He said this director was great to work with. Yeah, this director gets yeah. a lot of... He's sort of known as, like, this renegade-type dude, but uh, takes on these kinds of projects, where it's just like going to do some eccentric, quirky things, but also get things under budget and be easy to work with and have a nice environment and all that stuff. He just sounds like a guy who loves making movies, you know? Yeah, And doesn't care if they're big-budget, high-quality Hollywood productions. He's just going to... But I I, I have to say, since we're also talking about that, like, the movie is well-made for what it is. I mean, it's very straightforward. The shots, everything makes sense. It flows, it moves. It's clean. Yeah, very clean. The action is clear. You know, I was a little disappointed that most of the killings are, well, they're they're mostly pretty bloodless. Yeah. I'd say about half of it is he's just beating people with his pipe, which is its own kind of comedy. He kind of wanders around and just starts whacking people on the legs. and. Yeah, well, we're almost like 50 minutes in, so I feel like we should just talk about the fun, like... What's his name? Scott has the coin, but then the magician breaks into his room and steals it. And then he goes downstairs and Loretta gets the coin, but then Mitch, the (laughs) owner, gets it away from him. And he wishes that he could get with Tammy. And so then all of a sudden, Tammy is this total bimbo who's throwing herself at him and is apparently into really rough sex. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's no sex in this movie, and you don't see Tammy's boobs. Later, you see some boobs. She's like hitting him and like pushing him around and if at one point he's like he's like okay can we not have any more violence now (laughs) but right before he's about to hook up with her somebody else does the leprechaun show up or does somebody else get the well the leprechaun's in the tv taunting him oh my god (laughs) with all those fake commercials from tv which are kind of like takeoffs and parodies. what is it he's a psychic at one point he's oh, a funny. uh he's a personal injury lawyer at one point which again <laughs> vegas personal injury lawyer uh billboards all over the place and i don't remember what else he is but that's hilarious the leprechaun gets to dress up as different characters in this and it's really funny there's one point in the hospital where he wears scrubs like he's wearing these cute little <laughs> pink nurses scrubs right. and a little like surgical cap so funny but the way that he kills like he he sends a, a big boobied topless girl out of the television. Mitch lays down on the bed and she climbs on top and like they're going to get it on. But then she turns into like a android <laughs> with just a skin face and skin boobs and the, <laughs> these huge boobs. And the rest of her is all like rods and wires and eventually uh, it electrocutes him. That was yeah, a fun death. That was, was a fun one. But my favorite... My favorite, Loretta. I think I haven't even seen all the movies. I'm going to say hands down, this has got to be the best leprechaun death of all of them. I love (laughs) it. It's definitely, I mean, if you, especially if you go image searching like I do to pull out images from the movie because I'm too lazy to take my own screenshots. (laughs) Her her death scene in this movie is by far, I guess, must be one of the most screenshotted <laughs> of all in this in this film. And uh, that that's what happens when Mitch is having sex with that girl, is that she sneaks in and gets that coin, and she right. wishes to be beautiful. Now, you can tell that she's a beautiful person done up to look kind of dumpy. Oh, sure. They patted her a little bit, put her in ugly polyester clothes, given her a kind of big, ugly wig. She doesn't even look bad, you know? No, like, she doesn't look bad. It's... No, she doesn't look bad at all. 
It's not a dramatic transformation for her to, she says she wants tits like a 20-something-year-old and all that. But so, when she does transform, she looks like Caroline Williams. Yes. She looks like the Caroline Williams we know. She's yes. thin and beautiful. Um, she does have a beautiful body. Um, she takes off that terrible wig and has a really sharp, like, uh, short, short buzz kind of cut. She looks great. But then when the leprechaun catches up to her, it's like... What do you want? Your boobs are big. Your butt is small. But still you're in for quite a fall. What are you talking about? Oh, well, didn't you hear? Bigger is good, but Jumbo is dear. I'll give you boobs that come out to here. He makes her boobs and her ass and her lips blow up to where she looks like a Kardashian. <laughs> 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 and then she explodes. Oh, but seriously, if Todd doesn't put up an image of this, Google it. Google image search it because it's hilarious. <laughs> you know, the director was actually talking about this this particular scene in his interview. And he spends a lot of time actually kind of talking about how movies have changed and how he's a little unsettled by horror the direction horror has gone and gotten more extreme and so he's very insistent you know about how when he approached this in the first place you know uh, he was really trying to lean more into the comedy and, and less of the horror and he said this scene in particular he says you know it's it's a little misogynistic yeah he said we we knew it was i knew it was a little misogynistic and so I was trying to find ways to, to make it more comedic and less mean. And he says, you know, just in the same way that when Buster Keaton slips and falls on a banana peel and falls back on his head, that's funny. But if Buster Keaton slips on a banana peel, falls back on his head, and you see blood splatter, it's not funny anymore. And uh, he said that's why with this one, he told them, the special effects guys, he didn't want blood. You know, when she blows up, she just It's kinda, like sawdust. Yeah, it's like sawdust and styrofoam and stuff. It, it's not bloody at all. And he's like, you know, decisions like that were to take the edge off and keep it funny instead of something mean, you know, about women and, and, and beauty. Because, you know, in some ways, as like the scene does say a little something about, you know, those standards. And he's trying to parody that instead of be mean yeah again it's a joke right like it's just a joke yeah it's just, a joke but you laughing. know like he's clear he's it's true though i mean depending on how you film it it, it would be less funny oh absolutely absolutely the, the thought that went into this movie is, is kind of surprising to probably would be a lot surprising to a lot of people <laughs> well and while we're talking about looks um warwick davis looks great uh his yeah. costume and his makeup are fantastic i i think it took him like three hours or something to get into the makeup and over a half an hour to get out but he looks great i mean he looks you know much the same as he does in the other movies but it's good it's it's a great character look um mm -hmm. at some point i don't even remember when it was but at some point he fights with scott and bites him and in this movie <laughs> leprechauns are also werewolves <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you get bit by a leprechaun you start to turn into a leprechaun that kind of looks a little bit like a werewolf <laughs> uh, this which leads to some of scott's best acting in the whole film to be quite honest oh it's fantastic because not only does he start to change physically, but he also starts to talk like a leprechaun. Yes. And has an incredible, insatiable craving for potatoes. Oh, my God. And he goes to a restaurant <laughs> and he orders a huge platter of potatoes and the waitress lists. Baked potato, broiled potato, French fries, potato skin, potato salad, and uh, six potato pancakes. Mm. Anything else? 
There once was a lady of Totten, whose tastes grew perverted and rotten. She cared not for steaks or for pastries and cakes, but lived upon penis au gratin. Oh my god. God, what else? I don't know. They're running around a lot. They you know, like they he ends up at the emergency room. That's the morgue right. scene. And the leprechaun, you know, has t- Tammy uh there, I think, strapped to the table. Scott's almost full leprechaun by now. And he can use magic too. So he uses magic to free himself and to fight off the emergency room staff. Plus she has the medallion, and so uh-huh. this medallion apparently all you have to do is put it in your pocket and it's safe. <laughs> For like, yeah. But if it's near somebody, you know, if it's out of your pocket and near one of the him or the other leprechaun, then uh, it's like a cross to a vampire. They go back to the pawn shop. Uh, he can smell it. He's like, "There's something here that I need or that I want really bad." Because <laughs> he's a leprechaun. He's turning into leprechaun, so he wants gold too. And when he finds the in the safe, the leprechaun had hid it in the safe at the pawn shop. He's like, "Ah, oh, isn't this lovely? Pot of gold for the take." And <laughs> <laughs> and they and they try the girl. The leprechaun follows him there, and Tammy tries to use a wish against him, and he's like, "You can't use the gold against a leprechaun." Something I don't know. And then he. Uh, I don't remember what Scott does, but the leprechaun says, for pulling this trick, I'll chop off your dick. Like, yes. <laughs> every one of them is gold. And that's a lie. They're not all gold, but they They're still made me on. laugh. They made me laugh every time. And yeah, they take him They take him to the hospital. They give him an encephalogram, which comes out with a reading all in shamrocks that just says, you which is hilarious (laughs) right (laughs) but the magician has the gold right now and so now right so so they tell him they tell the leprechaun that if you want your gold you got to go find fazio and so he does and they follow him there and the whole climax i guess (laughs) takes place at the magic show oh my god i i thought actually the only time i laughed out loud in this movie was this magic show so the leprechaun shows up and fabio's about to do his most dangerous trick ever where he's put a girl in a box and gonna set it on fire which he wasn't going to do previously, but his wish is to be the best magician in the whole world. Yeah, so his show's still pretty lame for being the best magician in the world, but yeah. the leprechaun pops out of the box instead uh, and puts Fabio in the whole cut the saw the person in half thing and pulls out a chainsaw and mm. is like taunting the audience. Do you want me to cut him in half? Do you want me to cut him in half? And they're like, yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> I love this bit. So he chainsaws through the guy in this box. <laughs> And suddenly there's blood coming out and stuff and the audience is considerably unsettled by this. He jumps down and finishes the trick uh-huh. by opening up the box and showing this guy and his guts are falling out in the inside there. And he's like prancing in front of it and showing it like a magician. Oh my God, that was... I don't know why, but that just tickled me so much. <laughs> it was really funny. And then there's the like all of the guests like stampede out oh. and Scott and Tam. The thing that bothered me about the magic trick was he saw it all the way through the guy. And then when he pulled it out, it's like his guts were still connected. So like they strung out. Oh, yeah. Still connected to one another, which I'm glad because it looks great. Um, <laughs> that was probably the goriest part and even that wasn't that gory no but anyway while he's getting cut in half fazio drops the coin the crowd panics and runs and then scott and tammy arrive and scott faces off with the lep and like they have uh, the lep that's what how i have it in my notes the <laughs> leprechaun the leprechaun's like come over to the green side i'll make you rich oh and the music gets a little bit of the imperial march in it it's, it's <laughs> <pretty funny. laughs> Uh, <laughs> little touches. Um, 
But instead, Scott takes the torch that Fazio had been using, and he burns up the gold, which sets the leprechaun on fire, and the leprechaun levitates yeah. <laughs> into the air, and it's completely on fire, and you can totally see the rig. Like, you can totally... <laughs> it's not even a wire. It's a steel cord holding this thing on a harness, and you can see it all. It looks so stupid. Um, but the, the the gold burns, the leprechaun burns, and apparently if the leprechaun's dead, then Scott can come back to normal. And so Scott and Tammy walk outside, and they're like, what now? I don't know, but we should get out of here. And she's like, but wait, look what I have. And she has that one coin left, and they're like, ha, 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 the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, she says... We could have anything we want. And then she kind of looks at him and goes, you know, I think I already have everything I want. And she chucks the gold aside. Oh, gross. I I must have stopped watching. <laughs> I was like, well, it's over. Great. <laughs> I'm glad you did, because uh, Scott then jumps in with a terrible um, impression of, uh, you know, sweetheart, this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Bogey. <laughs> Humphrey Bogart. Oh, God. Folks, it's a terrible movie. But, it is. Like, it's bad. But it's one of those movies... A friend of ours, Jordan, uh, who's mm-hmm. done the podcast with us a couple of times, she texted me a few weeks ago and said, you have to see Cocaine Bear. It's the best bad movie I've ever sat seen. She's like, it's so well made and it's terrible. You have to see it. This isn't <laughs> that well made, but it's competently enough made that you're not mad about right. it. Like, you don't feel like you've wasted your money or your time. It is what it is. It's funny. That's what it's trying to be. Uh, and if if you give yourself over to that and and realize that they're not really going for the intense horror at all, it's a yeah. fun ride. I would watch it again. Not tomorrow, yeah. but several years down the road, I'd watch it again. It's funny. I'd have it playing in the background. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely more fun. Honestly, it's more fun than the original. I think so. The original drags, and this it's one plotting, yeah, moves, and you know it is it it wears its heart on its sleeve, and so if you're in the mood for that kind of thing, yeah, absolutely, watch it. Got no problem. Couldn't agree with this more. Film. <laughs> well, thank you again for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed this one, please share uh, please share it with a friend. You can find us online, two guys in a chainsaw podcast. Google us, and you will get our website. As you know, we uh, asked our patrons this time around what episode we wanted to see, and we polled them, and this is what they chose. If you would like to similarly shape the show, consider joining the patron club, patreon.com slash chainsawpodcast. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys in a chainsaw. Yeah.